Welcome to session 27 of the Bible in a Year commentary. If you started the series on the 1st of January, then today should be the 27th of January. Today we'll be looking at Exodus 30 to 32 and Psalm 27. But so far in Exodus, we followed Israel's journey from a slavery in Egypt to meeting God at Sinai. The Israelites, while initially welcomed in Egypt, found themselves oppressed. Raised in Pharaoh's palace, Moses ended up killing an Egyptian, forcing him into exile before returning, charged by God to rescue his people. A series of plagues unfolded, each targeting a different Egyptian deity, culminating in the Passover. The people were free and were able to leave Egypt, freed by their God. Upon reaching Sinai, we read as God started a new covenant with the people and providing them with guidance on how to live. Then came the designs for the tabernacle, a portable temple where God would dwell with his people. There were designs for the tabernacle itself, along with all the bits to go with it. Yesterday, we read about the preparation of the priests, those that would work in the tabernacle. The priests would serve as a model and a reminder to the rest of the nation. We read how the role of the high priest was also to serve as a king, and how important it was for the priests to act appropriately, considering how close they were to God's presence. But let's jump in with today's reading of Exodus 30 to 31. In Exodus 30, we get a collection of the rest of the stuff that needs dealing with. The big bits have been designed, so now we get lots of smaller things. The first thing we get is the altar of incense. In many of our churches today, we don't burn incense, but it had multiple uses at the time. Firstly, it was part of the preparation of the space to make it holy. The incense burnt was unique to the tabernacle, and so it made it a place where God could dwell. Secondly, it was a reminder of God's presence. If you remember the pillar of cloud in Exodus 14, that pops up again and again during Israel's time in the wilderness. This cloud was an example of God's presence. As they burnt the incense, a mist would rise up, a cloud, if you will, to be reminded that God's presence is here. We then have a tax for the maintenance of the temple, a bowl for the priest to wash their hands, and then the recipes for the anointing oil and the incense that was to be burnt, both of which were unique to God and his purposes. Then we read, as God calls out specific skilled people to do the work of building the tabernacle and everything in it. I think as Christians, we can sometimes play down skills too much. It's all about the Holy Spirit. And that's true. God often does call people that seemingly are unqualified. But it's also important that when we serve God, we do our best to get skilled at what we do. As much as we possibly can, we want to make sure that what we do for God, we do to a high quality. The tabernacle wasn't mediocre or poorly put together. It was expertly put together. And we should want to bring the same level of excellence as much as we can to everything we do for God. And finally, we get fresh teaching on the Sabbath, the day of rest. This is a callback all the way to Genesis 1. God has given the people multiple steps on how to create this space where humans can meet with God. If you remember, I said a couple of days ago that this section is broken down into seven sections, each starting with the Lord spoke or said to Moses. We'll have had six sections of preparing and building. And finally, here we get the seventh, rest. God is once again affirming his eternal pattern. Yes, we work and build and get things done, but we also rest. And the beginning of this new nation, brought out of Egypt to be their own people, God wanted to ingrain in the Israelites, at the end of every six days, rest. From this pattern, we can see that God is establishing a new Eden, a new place where humans and God can dwell together. It took him six days to make the first one. It's going to take the Israelites six steps to make the new one. And the goal is the same with both. Spend day or step seven resting with his people. And then let's look at Psalm 27. This psalm falls into the category of a lament psalm. 
where the psalmist brings their struggles before God. While lament psalms normally start with the complaint and work towards declaring trust in God, this psalm opens on a foundation of trust. It is structured in a chiasm where the passage reflects itself. And so the psalmist lays out all the things they trust about God and then places their requests and struggles within that. Here is a summary of the structure, but I would recommend checking out the written version of this commentary in the description to see the structure properly for yourself. So we start with verse one, the Lord is my strength. Verses two to three, talking about the psalmist's enemies. Verse four, let me dwell in the Lord's presence. Verse five, the Lord will take me in. Verse six, three positive declarations. And then verse seven, hear me. Verse eight, let me see you. Verse nine, three negative requests. Verse 10, Lord will take me in. Verse 11, lead me in your ways. Verse 12, again talking about the psalmist's enemies. And then verses 13 to 14, be strong in the Lord. The psalm opens with a declaration that the Lord is the psalmist's strength. Because of this strength, it doesn't matter what their enemies or their opponents throw at them. They will not stumble or fear because they have God. Next, the psalmist stands their ground on something they've been asking God for for a while, that they might stand in his presence. They can have confidence in this because the Lord is the one who gathers and protects his people. Because of the Lord, there are three things that the psalmist can now do. He can hold his head high, he can make his offering with joy, and he can sing praise to God. With this foundation laid, the psalmist then asks God to hear his prayer. This is where the psalm begins to reflect itself. He asked God to hear him and then asked that he might see God. He has stated three things that he can do because of God and now asks God not to do three things. Hide his face, turn the psalmists away in his anger or cast the psalmists out of his presence. He once again states the truth that the Lord is a God who gathers and protects those that are his and asks the Lord to lead him in his way. Finally, he makes one more request that he not be handed over to his enemies and then ends what he began. The Lord is his strength. Through this psalm, we see how a proper understanding of who God is can lead to us making big asks that he doesn't forsake us. Instead, we can seek him to lead us and protect us in our struggles. 